This is First Farragut United Methodist Church's podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue with our worship series, Rules to Live By, based on the book of James. Together, we'll learn about three simple rules that, when practiced, can change your life, relationships, peace of mind, and contentment as a follower of Jesus. And now, here's Martha with our message. As we continue with three simple rules, we have two scriptures today from the New Revised Standard Version. Our first is Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Our second reading is from James 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, wielding to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some words that I have heard from a very young age when driving in the car with my mother. Yield does not mean stop. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yield does not mean stop. As Rennie mentioned, we are in our final week of this sermon series that we've been doing. And for several weeks, we've used some driving references. We talked about guardrails. We talked about blind spots. So why not use yield today to finish us up, right? So when we started this series on what we call John Wesley's three simple rules four weeks ago, we talked about how these simple rules serve as guardrails, that they're designed as followers of Jesus to keep us out of the ditches, that oftentimes we can get off track and we fall in the ditch, but these rules are kind of guardrails to keep us on track. And the rules are simple. Are y'all ready? Here's your test. What's the first one? Do no harm. Do no harm. All right, what's what's number two? All right, if you get number three, you pass because we're on it today. What's number three? Stay in love with God. Y'all are lucky. You're going to skip the sermon. (laughs) But these rules are designed as a framework as followers. Because oftentimes what happens when when we become followers or believers in Jesus, sometimes we've been taught that our faith is all about a belief, an assent to certain doctrines, that that's all that matters. Just believe in Jesus and that's it. The opposite end of the spectrum is that sometimes we've been taught that it's what we do, that if we're just a good enough person that God will love us, that we can earn God's love, 
neither one of those are really accurate. Somewhere in between is really what we're aiming for. And it's not a matter of do's and don'ts that these three rules give us. They're not an exhaustive list. The Jewish folks to whom Jesus was born into had 613 laws that they were supposed to follow. 613. They started with what we call the Ten Commandments. And my guess is if we were to not open our Bible and try to come up with what the Ten Commandments are right now, we probably couldn't remember them. So how on earth is anybody going to remember 613 laws? It's not possible. So these these rules are not an exhaustive list, but kind of give us a framework of how to operate. Today we get to rule number three, which is called stay in love with God. And it's all about yielding ourselves to God's love, to God's will, to God's way. But yield doesn't mean stop. Because you know what happens when you're on an exit ramp to get onto uh, oncoming traffic. Sometimes you have to slow down and merge in and then speed up. Now, I realize that most of us think yield means go very fast. That's not what it means. There's a certain ebb and flow that we have to merge into traffic and move forward. This rule of staying in love with God is about finding that delicate rhythm of merging our lives with the will and the way and the love of God. The original rule that John Wesley stated this third rule as in the 18th century, he said the third rule was to keep the ordinances of God. Now, ordinance is a little bit of an archaic word to us, and in fact, in today's world, it only means legislative aspects, following the laws, governmental laws that we have today. But for John Wesley, what it really meant was disciplines. Now, there's another word that we like, right? We don't like discipline, but it's good for us. So what John Wesley was referring to in the keep the ordinances was to follow certain disciplines, certain practices that kept us connected with God. Over the years, we've changed that rule to where it says, stay in love with God. But in the words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it, right? What's love got to do with it? Well, if you recall, when we started this series, we we started it by looking at what we call the greatest commandment. Jesus was once asked, what is the first or the greatest commandment? And you all know the response, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But love is a word that we use rather flippantly these days. We talk about, we use love to talk about our favorite foods. I love Italian food. I love Mexican food. I've heard some of you say, I love fall and I can't wait for football. I love football. We use it in that context. We also use it to talk about a feeling that we have for other people, how we love our sweetheart or our spouse, how we love our children or our family. It's also a word that is abused. But the word that we're using here regarding staying in love with God is a Greek word, agape. It requires action. It requires a pursuit of the betterment of another person or the betterment or magnification, if we want to use that word, of God. It has nothing to do with a feeling. It has everything to do with a choice. Often... Excuse me, often when I am officiating a wedding, I like to remind the couple 
that what they are doing at that point probably started with a feeling. But the only thing that's going to carry them through is a choice. Because if you're married, you know this. When you get married, your feelings get hurt. It's going to happen. And when we respond out of our feelings, we respond out of hurt or anger, etc. But a choice to love means we wake up every day to choose to love with our words, our actions, and our thoughts. And it takes work, and it takes practice, and it takes time. To stay in love with God means to choose, to choose to continually cultivate a relationship with God. Because whom or whatever we love shapes what we do. What we love shapes what we do. Now, many of us at some point have, to use a church phrase, given our lives to Jesus. If we've committed our lives to Jesus, at some point in time, if, if, we, if we've done that, we probably started out in what I would call a honeymoon phase. We're excited to be a follower of Jesus. We're excited about praying. We're excited about worship. We're excited about being in community and serving. And it's a very thrilling and exciting time. But eventually, the new begins to wear off. And what happens in that case is we often tend to revert to our old ways. And without practice, we fall back in love with the ways of the world. That's what's happening in the scripture in Colossians, those two short verses that we read just a few minutes ago. Colossians is a letter that was actually written to a church in a city called Colossae. Paul wrote a letter to this church. Paul had never actually been to visit the people who were a part of this church in that city, but the founder, a man named Epaphras, had written letters to Paul to brag about the people of how they were growing in their faith and things were going really, really well. But apparently, Paul had received a letter that said there was trouble. Because where there are people, there will be trouble, right? So what had happened is there were some followers of Jesus, there were people claiming to be Christians, yet still they wanted to cling to their old ways. We don't know exactly what the problem was, but scholars through the years have come to call this the Colossian heresy. We don't know exactly what it was, but what we do know is that they had begun to pepper the teachings of Jesus with their pagan philosophy ways. If we were to read on in the very next verse, what we would see is that Paul had warned them, don't be captive to philosophy teachings or to empty deceit or to human tradition. Whatever it was, it had begun to veer them away from following Jesus. So Paul wrote to them, continue to live your lives in Christ. Be rooted in Christ. Build yourself up on the faith of Jesus, not worldly teachings. Other translations use the word walk, where our translation that we, that we read says continue to live your lives. Other translations use the word walk. Because the word walk is often used in Scripture to, to show how a person conducts their life. So Paul is telling them, walk in the ways of Jesus, not in the ways of the world. In other words, he's telling them, your faith in Jesus is not a once and done. It's a process. 
a journey of being transformed. We have a really fancy word for that in our Wesleyan tradition. It's called sanctification. Isn't that that an easy word to remember? Sanctification, long word. What it simply means is that little by little, we put ourselves in a position that God's grace works within us to transform us, to shape us, to live in the will and the ways of God. And it takes practice. Paul is telling them, you have to do your part to stay connected. It's this doing our part that's rule number three. Refers to staying in love. Because only when we stay in love and stay connected with God will we even know what harm is. Only when we stay connected with God will we even know what good could possibly be. Otherwise, we come up with our own definitions. This is what our scripture from James is trying to teach us. The scripture from James that we read actually uses the word wisdom, saying there are two kinds of wisdom. You'll see this theme of two kinds throughout the scripture. Go home and read Psalm 1 and you'll see there's two kinds of wisdom, two kinds of ways of life. Jesus even talked about two masters. You'll see this theme throughout scripture. What James is saying is there's two kinds. One, that's born from gentleness, born from the love above, meaning from God. And then there's another kind that's born from selfishness. There was an NPR radio host who conducted a study on an age-old question. I'll give you the question. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize it. But this radio host conducted a full-blown survey on this question. Which is better, the power of flight or the power of invisibility. It's sort of a riddle that we've seen throughout the years. Which is better, the power of flight or the power of invisibility? What he found was that most of the responses, most of the people who responded did so in a way that they would use their power for themselves. The majority of the responses went something like this. If I was invisible, I would use my power to sneak into the movies. If I was invisible, I would use my power to spy on my coworkers. This is a good one. Or my exes. So the others with the flight, they said, and I, I don't blame them for this one. If I had the power of flight, I would give up my car. I would too. Although I like driving. Some of them said I would give up my car. Others said I would hover around the bar scene. We've got some party animals in this group. Others said I would use it to fly to Prague, to Paris, the types of things we would think of. But in almost all of the responses, they were going to use their power for selfish reasons. Few, if any, said I'll use the power of flight to rescue people who are fleeing from oppression. Most of the responses were individual-based, driven by self. Self-desires, self-opinions, self-needs, self-wants. That's the first type of wisdom, driven by ourselves. Then James says there's a second kind. A kind that, on the other hand, is from God and is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. That is what's driven by knowing God. Earthly wisdom creates confusion and puts us at odds with God's goodness 
Because how can we love God and love others if all we're concerned about is ourself? Which brings us to a question for followers of Jesus. By which wisdom will we live? If what we love or whom we love drives what we do, say, or think, what will we choose to love? Just like any earthly relationship that you have takes time and commitment and practice, so does our relationship with God. Staying in love with God takes a little effort on our part. Otherwise, the ways of the world will begin to overshadow the ways of Jesus, which is where those disciplines and practices come into play. It's how we yield, merge ourselves with the will and the ways and the love of God. You know what they are. Prayer, reading, worship, gathering in community, serving, giving, on it goes. But the question for us is how diligent or intentional are we in following those? Do you have a daily prayer time? It doesn't have to be with eloquent words. I heard one of our youth one time start a prayer with, hey God, I thought, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. But just, just like you would talk to anybody. And I'm pretty sure God's heart leapt when that youth said that. It doesn't have to be fancy words. It doesn't have to be an hour long. You just have to put yourself in the presence of God. Maybe reciting the Lord's Prayer. I'll tell you one that I've gravitated to in this pandemic. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Anybody know the Serenity Prayer? Reinhold Niebuhr. See if this sounds familiar. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I have this directly across my desk in my office. This has gotten me through the last 20-some-odd months. But prayer is how we get to know God and how we let God know us. And then there's reading Scripture. There are apps, more than I can ever count, on your phone that you can do that. And if you say, I don't have time to sit down and read, guess what? They'll read it to you. It's crazy. Tons of them. But if you remember, we started this series. I told you that I was asked by a person who was saying about some Christian friends who were arguing and bickering. She said, are we reading the same Bible? Are we following the same Jesus? Are we talking about the same Jesus? If you want to know Jesus, read this right here. Don't ask your political friends. Don't ask your favorite evangelical preacher. In fact, don't come to me first. Come right here. Because this is where you find the real Jesus. You will find a Jesus who was never, ever, ever concerned about himself. You will find a Jesus who always, always, responded in love. And then gathering as a community in worship in small groups. We got the skids put us on put on put on us on this last year, right? And we're still trying to figure out how to do it in this environment. But one thing that we did discover is how much we missed it. And in many ways we're still not able to gather as we once were and that's okay. There are legitimate reasons that folks are staying at home and worshiping at home and I am incredible incredibly grateful 
for those who made this happen. But we were made to be together. How else are we going to grow if we don't grow with people who worship together? And then there's Holy Communion. Don't we love those little cups? Y'all, I can't wait to get back to bread and juice. But that dry little wafer and that little shot glass, I call it, is an active reminder of what Jesus did for us. It doesn't matter how we do it, bread, juice, or plastic Jesus Lunchables. It's an active reminder that we participate in the life and the resurrection of Jesus. And then serving and giving money. You want to grow in your life, your, your walk with Jesus? Give your money till just it hurts just a little bit. And you'll learn full dependence on Jesus in a way you haven't experienced. Now, I can imagine you're all sitting there going, well, there goes that darn preacher again telling me I need to pray and I need to read the Bible, and I need to be in worship, and I need to serve, and I need to do all those things. Yes, that's what the preacher's telling you. Because that's how we stay connected to God. If we aren't staying connected to God, we won't know what harm is and if we're doing it. If we aren't connected to the goodness of God, we won't know what good is or if we're doing it. Remember those blind spots I mentioned? Rearview mirror, side mirror. If we aren't connected with God, our blind spots get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we begin to harm others. These practices help us create a rhythm in our lives that yield, that merge into the goodness of God. So as we conclude this series on our rules... Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. They're simple. Y'all even remembered them. You had them committed to memory before we ever even started. They're simple. But they're costly. But if you want to see a change in your life and in the relationships around you, when followed in the name of Jesus and by the power of of the Holy Spirit, these rules can transform your life and our world. I pray we have the guts to follow them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite you to join me in an affirmation of faith. We do this every Sunday because the words that we say affect how we live and act. So as you recite these words, if you feel so led, I pray that you not just say the words, but have them sink into your life. Will you join me? We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God. He has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus. 
in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we continue in worship, you are invited to respond. Respond by prayerfully reflect, reflecting as we are led in song, but you are also invited to respond by giving. You may text to give. For those of you in the building, there is a box in the back as you leave. There are many ways you can give. But as I said earlier, if you want to see a change in your life, one of the ways we worship is by giving sacrificially to God. It's not that the church needs the money. It's that we need the change. So I invite you to respond as we, led, as we are led in song. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again next week as our Director of Spiritual Formation, Rennie Morris, teaches us that even though we are always faced with challenges, God is with us. She'll share practices and attitudes to help us be resilient, even when we are facing the heaviness of those challenges.